Welcome back to the In The Points podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome on special guest from Alpine F1's engineering team, Sebastian Shepard. Listen in as we talk to Seb about his favorite tracks and race day rituals, life inside an F1 team, and packages and upgrades for the 2022 season. This is an episode you won't want to miss, so sit back, relax, and rev those engines because it's lights out and away we go. All right, Sam, April 6th, episode three of In The Points podcast. You know, these these gaps between races, it's it's not a lot of fun. I love these races. I'm not looking forward to Australia being at 1 a.m., but I don't really enjoy the gaps. I know it makes it worthwhile. You got to have a little bit of separation, makes the heart grow fonder. But man, this is just it's brutal. It's brutal. I completely agree. I hate it. It sucks. It feels like we had so much momentum and so much excitement around those first two races. And I'm sure we're going to get it back in Melbourne, but it's been a big letdown having to having to wait this uh, this amount of time between races. I, I can't dead wait air to out there. Feels like dead air. It does. It's, you know, does. it's it's not it's not our favorite time. It's really, you know, from a podcast perspective, it's hard. Right. We're, we're scrapping tooth and nail to find some things to talk about week to week with no race. It's just like it, you go from having plenty of content to scraping together some stuff. Here's an idea. Why don't they use this week off to maybe promote like Formula Two or Formula Three or something like that? Just so we have something else in between these two weeks. Good point. You know, or even the esports. You know, something. Like, oh, that's a great one. An esport week would be awesome because then yeah. you can kind of just hunker down. You watch the guys. That's fantastic. I don't know if any of our listeners are familiar with the esports, but those guys are pros in their own right. Those guys are good, man. Those they're guys on are really, Sims. Really good. They're they're really really good. But I mean, honestly, though, since we last spoke, Sam, a lot of activity in the Formula One world. First, right off the bat, Vegas, baby, Vegas, Viva Vegas, twenty twenty three, Viva Las Vegas. F one is back in Las Vegas. Your reaction? Uh, I mean, how can you not be excited? Uh, you know, beyond the fact that, you know, F1's clearly investing in America and they're, and they're trying to, you know, have the sport explode over here, going to Vegas with, with what that track looks like it's going to be, you know, down the strip. Uh, it looks like it's going to be unbelievable. And I'll just say right now, you know, the In The Points podcast, we will be there in Vegas. We will, we will be having a live show in Vegas for that first race. We'll be in one of those hospitality tents, probably at the first turn for the race. We will be there. I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. That is, that's probably the, um, I agree with you. That's the peak and the pinnacle of our podcast will be next year. This is our promise to all of our listeners. We will have a super day at Las Vegas. It will be us, Will Buxton, Sam Collins, Julian Palmer, Ted Kravitz, David boys. Croft, the boys. We'll all be there. It'll be a interview fest. It will have every single guest on the podcast. 
Maybe we'll even get Nikita Mazepin on the podcast. We, we've been trying tooth and nail for the past, since this podcast has been started, trying to get Nikita Mazepin on the podcast. I think that might be our biggest goal of this podcast is we need, we won't stop this podcast until we get Nikita Mazepin to talk about his departure from Haas. But no, Las Vegas we will be there. There'll be a live show. Absolutely. You can mark that down your calendar Thanksgiving day weekend. So we might have to finagle a couple of red eyes, but we'll, we'll still be there for that. It's a Saturday night race too. Saturday night. We'll be there. It's unbelievable for those of you that are new to formula one, Las Vegas. It's probably been 30 years since they've had a race there last. They raced it in the Caesars palace parking lot. Now, how, it's how actually, long was the track? I don't know. That's a great question. I've been trying to wrap my head around it. I didn't do any research on that historical track, but it was in like the parking lot of Caesars. It wasn't even any. So this race is going down the strip. It's four kilometers long. It's I said this to you the other day, Sam. It's got a Monza type feel. It's counterclockwise left to, left to right. Uh, it's really going to be really fast there's not a whole lot of tight turn sectors there's not a lot of high speed corners it's going to be a lot of straights it's like yeah in a perfect world there'll be a lot of drs zones too oh i think there's at least three like there's going to be it's going to be 200 miles an hour down the strip i mean we we're going to be watching from a hotel room we're going to be overlooking probably at the in the suite at the mgm grand with floyd mayweather we will be watching that race from some impressive place and it'll be all thanks to our our supportive fans because without you guys we wouldn't be able to do any of this but yeah i'm super excited third race in the united states on the on the on the circuit like that's the third it's austin miami vegas and there was an awesome video from i think 2017 they asked lewis hamilton a bunch of drivers but it was lewis hamilton and danny ricardo what would have been your biggest request to the new owners of Formula One? Lewis, race in Miami. Danny, race in Vegas. And go. we got him. It's going to be awesome. Listen to your stars, you know? Listen to your stars. Speaking of Lewis, man, what a crazy time he's had in between Melbourne and Saudi Arabia. Skydiving? I mean, I, I, he said he jumped like 10 times. Yeah, I don't quite understand, A, why he's jumping so many times. Like, doesn't that take literally all day? And B, how Mercedes is allowing him to do this during the season. It, it's mind-boggling to me. Um, like, what happens if he breaks his leg? You know, I don't – I just don't get it. What um, happens if a shoot doesn't deploy? He's dead. Yeah, he just dies. Um, and the, the season's probably canceled. Our podcast probably is canceled. Um, if Lewis yeah. Hamilton dies out of, in a skydiving accident mid-season, we have to cancel the podcast. Yeah, no question. No question about it. So, you know, the Mercedes season is not only on the line, but our podcast on the line. So I, I wasn't really happy seeing that. Um, but hats off to him, I guess. He's, he's a true daredevil. I guess when you drive that fast on a consistent basis, jumping from like 5,000 feet up doesn't really affect you. But, um, yeah, it was pretty bizarre to see. Yeah. I mean, speaking of two of Mercedes – from what we've been hearing, they have been doing a lot of work since Saudi Arabia, probably before that in preparation for Melbourne. A lot of people talking about what they have in their shorts this weekend, Sam. What, what's your take? I mean, last week on the podcast, 
you thought Hamilton P3. I thought George Russell P3. So we both were all over the fact that Mercedes was bringing upgrades, bringing new packages, finding some pace in advance to compete with the Red Bulls and the Ferraris. But, you know, I mean, this is just it's typical Mercedes. What's your take? Yeah, there's just so much buzz around the package that they're bringing to Melbourne. Um, and it's it's hard to distinguish what's real and what's fake on the Internet. But I, I saw a, uh, a TikTok this morning about how their rear wing, they're bringing a new package with their rear wing, and it's supposed to be cutting a second and a half off their lap time. So that seems a bit egregious. But, um, you know, if if they can just cut into the gap between the Ferrari and Red Bull, I think that's what all they're looking to do. And, um, you know, just agreeing with what we talked about last week, I think if they can find themselves on a podium this weekend, it'll be a big success. Uh, and, and they'll be gaining a lot of momentum heading towards the, right, uh, the rest of the season. But I definitely do think that they're going to have a better car this week. Um, and I'm excited to see what they're, what they're bringing to the table. Yeah, no, so, I, so am I. And so to answer the real or fake, yeah, I mean, even Formula1.com is reporting that they're going to have an all-new rear wing. So it sounds like it. They're also bringing a new floor. I think they're trying to solve some of the porpoising effects too. So, I mean, we even saw Ferrari in Saudi Arabia. They don't even have a sponsor on their rear wing because they don't want to paint it. They said that the paint is too, too heavy on the rear wing. So maybe we see the Patronus no longer on the Mercedes rear wing. Like, are they going to come with a blank wing just so that the way they can kind of shave some, some kilos off of their, their car so they can get a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, unlock a little bit more pace. I guess we'll find out if they value money over speed, because that would be uh that would be a big hit to their wallet if they were to drop one of the big sponsors off a big spot in the car. Yeah. I mean, Christian Horner did say that Toto has been more concerned about the financials than actual the racing in the latest uh, drive to survive season. So potentially they are going to sacrifice pace for sponsorships, but we all know in this business, the only way to continue to maintain sponsors is to win. Right. So um, could be a pretty impactful decision, but yeah, new floor as well, supposedly. So, I mean, a lot will come out in testing, you know, this race is so funky in terms of the timing for us on the Eastern time zone. It's, I don't even know when practices, I think for FP one is like tonight or tomorrow, like this morning. Like, I think it's like at 3 a.m. tonight because that's like 5 a.m. Like somehow tonight, Thursday, 3 a.m. Eastern is like Friday at like 5 p.m. Australian time. Like it makes, yeah. I don't get the time zone there. It makes zero sense to me. It's, I don't know. The, the race is at 1 a.m. I'll be up. You'll be up. We'll be watching that live. Uh, it's it's going to be incredible. Four DRS zones. Um, we'll see. But let, let's talk. We did our picks last week for Australia. For those who are tuning in for the first time, my picks were Max, Charles, George Russell for the, the podium places. I have Max on pole. Sam has Charles on pole. Charles, Max, Hamilton winning the race. So, Sam, let's talk Melbourne. Four DRS zones. That's news to me. They did redesign the track a little bit. The last time we raced there, 2019, Valtteri Bottas won by 20 seconds, one second between Lewis and Max. Ferraris were looking good, Vettel and, and um, Charles. And Haas, Magnussen, P6. A little bit of a different track design. A lot of history there. Lewis, seven out of the eight last polls. What, what do you, what anything changed since last week on what we're thinking for the week? Well, the four DRS zones are a pretty big change. I would say as, so. And as anyone knows um, me, DRS kicks ass. I'm excited. I'm pumped to see these four DRS zones. 
it's it seems like we're creeping closer to just having a full race of DRS, which I would welcome. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how that uh, plays into the strategy of the race, as we see in the first two races, the cat and mouse game between getting DRS and then overtaking after DRS. So it, with this, you know, additional DRS zone, um, it's going to add a whole nother layer of strategy. And uh, I'm excited to see how it all plays out. I think it's going to be interesting. Is this the first time we've seen four DRS zones in a race? I think so. I mean, we'd have to maybe go back to the the history books on this one. But I, I mean, DRS isn't that it's, it's kind of new uh, or newer. It's not, you know, historical use. Of, I mean, they didn't have this in the 90s, the 80s. And this is kind of a, a 2000s and beyond thing. So I would say four is the most. I thought a triple DRS last week was, or two weeks ago was kind of the most we've ever seen You've, you would have heard a quadruple drs if we've seen it before but and, and you're right you are a huge you are sam dr russell like that's yep. that is your nickname everyone knows you on twitter as sam dr russell um but yeah it's gonna be interesting I, so here's the, the the funny part in saudi Red Bull clearly had the the straight line speed they sacrificed a little bit of downforce they sacrificed a little bit of the rear wing Ferrari went with downforce, but Ferrari knows how to set up their cars in Melbourne. And we clearly saw in Bahrain that they had a better pace than, than Red Bull. So, I mean, barring any crazy Mercedes package, it, it's hard to pick this one. It's really hard to pick this one. Ferrari, they've got a history here. Schumacher, they, these guys know how, like Vettel, Leclerc, they all know how to race this track. It's a little bit different, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's the same track. They had the pace in Bahrain. They didn't have it in Saudi. Like, where do you, I think we're going to see a, like a last five lap battle for first. Yeah. How can you not say at this point that we're going to see another great race? These Ferraris and Red Bulls are so close in pace. Um, the drivers are so good. Uh, I just, I think we're going to get another fantastic race. And um, like you said, it's very difficult to pick at this point because of how close they are. Um, but all we can ask for is that we get another battle that comes down to the last few laps. And I'd be surprised if we didn't see that at this point. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I think we're going to get a massive battle. I think it's also going to be another test in the sun. You know, we've got two night races, so it's a little bit cool. Even though we're in the Middle East, a little bit cooler at night. Australia, it's going to be midday. It's going to be hot wonder how these cars will, will fan on track. Maybe we see another three-stop strategy from these guys, given the heat and the tires. Um, you know, welcome home, Danny Ricardo. Yeah. See how that pans out. But it's it's going to be a fun one, to say the absolute very least. It's going to be something where I think we're going to look back on this race as a big, big point in the championship, too. You know, depending on what these cars in the midfield do, this battle between – Ferrari and Red Bull right now can, you know, maybe Mercedes, I mean, a Mercedes one, two finish here would be something else, but you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It, that kind of brings me back, you know, Danny Ricardo, you were high on him. He's back in his home race. Any, anything to, to kind of tell our fans about Danny Ricardo this, this race, I mean, not a very hot start for him. DNF towards the back of the pack. Do you think he pulls something out for the home crowd fans or, or is he going to be about back in the midfield again? Yeah. I mean, it's, there, there's really no rhyme or reason to why I feel this way, but I feel like he's got a chip on his shoulder and we see a different Daniel Ricardo this weekend. Um, and I think he's going to be motivated 
specifically to finish ahead of Lando. Um, and that's why I, and I'm sticking with my pick from last week. I like the plus 225 Daniel Ricardo over Lando. I think there's great value around that. I think we um, we finally see a, a motivated Ricardo and, and a good race from him. So it just it wouldn't shock me at all to see him kind of take another step this week. But that, like I said, there's no rhyme or reason to that feeling because, you know, the McLaren hasn't looked great and um, there hasn't been much buzz around any new package that they're bringing this week. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, McLaren still is, is not a great car. So it's, uh, it's tough to say that, you know, he's going to you know really perform well this week. Yeah, no, for sure. And despite his motivation, sometimes if you don't have the car, you don't have the pace, right? So it, he could be as motivated as possible. We're going to really have to see what McLaren can do with the package. I saw something on Twitter that was people were asking whether or not the new Google Chrome wheel covers were slowing the car down because they said the extra paint it takes to put those colors on actually adds weight to the car and it makes the car slower. So Twitter was going nuts about the new the new partnership because they frankly think that they're making the cars slower because there's four wheel covers that have all different types of color paint. We've heard Lewis in the past that he used to wear black on his helmet because it was the lightest color. We've got Ferrari. These guys are playing with all these different games. Yep. I, I, I'm with you. I think that Daniel has a chip on his shoulder, but I, I don't think he's going to beat, beat Lando this tough, week. Tough year for McLaren partnerships between the Google Chrome wheel covers that are slowing the car down and these yep. ridiculous commercials that we see like – five times every hour with him and Lando. It's like tough year to be front and center in American commercials because the car stinks. So it's funny you say that. Cause I was, I, I actually remember the McLaren commercial, but like, I thought that it was a dream. That's how bizarre it was. I thought I like, I thought I imagined the commercial because I was like, there's no way that they are like doing these ads in, in the United States. Like the, it seems like almost like Zach Brown was going after more partnerships than he was places podium finishes like i don't know it's it is it is pretty crazy uh you know i and it's funny you know we'll get to this later in the podcast but the april fool's day man that the twitter the twitter people the internet they're they're too good they're too quick it was a absolute minefield navigating it and i bring this up because daniel ricardo i saw a tweet that he was retiring after 2022 I, I had to like do a triple take and I had to like remember my brain that it was April fools, but you know, we'll get to a segment later, which we have our best real or fake tweets from, from the past week. Yeah. But, yeah. I pretty much trained myself for the past couple of years in April fools, like by 9am, like, all right, I'll just stay off Twitter today because it's a total minefield. And there always is these ridiculous tweets. And then some of them end up being real, but you think they're fake. So it's, yeah, April Fool's, man. Those yeah, I mean, good. there was one that was after April Fool's that that I read that said Charles Leclerc got on the wrong plane and went to Austria instead of Australia. And even it's just it's, it's unbelievable. You know, you can't you can't wake up, have a cup of coffee and go on Twitter without being absolutely locked in and laser focused and be able to navigate. There was another one that I think said like there was another Max one where the guy put up Red Bull Racing. He put up the picture from the Red Bull Racing and his handle was like at like cookie monster 2023 it was like oh it's just unbelievable what these guys are doing and now alpine's engineering manager sebastian shepherd (laughs) 
Sebastian Shepard, welcome to the In The Points podcast. We are so happy to have you on, Alpine F1 Engineering Manager. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, guys. It's very nice to, to be here with you and with all your listeners. It's a great privilege uh, to be on your program and uh, delighted to be to, you know, to be able to answer uh, questions and, uh, and have a, a good chat around what is our, our, joint, um, you know, our joint liking of F1. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and also what a, what a great start for the Alpine team this year. I mean, it's a great time to be a part of that, that team. I think you guys had, uh, have had some great success both at Bahrain and Jeddah. And, you know, I think you're looking forward to having some more success in Australia. So maybe, you know, touch on like how it's been this season. What's the buzz around the office, the paddock, the drivers, like how does it feel to be on the Alpine F1 team? Uh, it's, it's it's awesome. Uh, I've been I've been here for now for close on three years, and and you know I must say that it's it's a very special feeling walking to the hallowed grounds of you know of Alpine and you know the, all the back history of of Renault and Benetton and uh, and you know all, all the all the great successes that we've had in the past and you you know you walk past these amazing machines and then you know that your job is uh, is one to go and create. The future um, and working with some amazing, incredible people. To be honest, it's a, it, it really is a fantastic thing. You're sort of almost pinching yourself on a daily basis when you walk walk in and sit down at your desk. Yeah, no, absolutely. What a, an incredibly rich history. I mean, from both the days of, of Renault being a constructor, but also the supplier of engines, world championship engines. Um, you could name tons of different, you know, I think Mick, or sorry, Michael Schumacher, a winner, Fernando Alonso, a winner, I think Ayrton Senna, a winner. So just like an absolute rich history, a really cool team to be a part of. And, and also, I mean, just a, a great start for this season. I mean, the last time we just saw Alpine was, was Esteban, another drag race in Jeddah. It was a, probably a flashback from a few months ago. But yeah, I mean, tell us about it. What's it, what's, what's your role? What's it like to be working on these cars? Like, Give us some insights. You know, tell the fans back home. Like, how are how are you guys doing this year? Yeah, so it's a it, it's a you know so far it's a it's a good start to the year. We've got a lot more I think in the bag. It's a it, it's really a, quite an exciting year. I think. I mean, off, off the back of what was probably one of the best years that F one saw in in in, in certainly in the last you know, few years uh, racing wise uh, back end of last year, but now with the new regulations, which are probably the biggest change that I think most people in living memory, or at least in their job uh, living memory uh, will remember is that, you know, these cars are totally different. Everything is from a blank sheet, pretty much with the, some, some tight regulations around it. So it wasn't just an iteration of past cars. It's completely different. And, and th- th- this is, the whole purpose of it, as everybody knows uh, on, on this podcast, is that is that it's to create better and closer racing, more excitement uh, for, for the fans out there um, who are not necessarily too interested in the intricacies of the millimetric changes that happen in the cars, but the fact that the cars get close to each other and they're racing around at, you know, 320 kilometers an hour. Uh, and, and, you know, I think in the first two races, we've clearly seen that there's, there's a lot closer, a lot better racing. Uh, we've seen it with with a lot of cars where they, they don't just overtake and then take off into the distance, but they, they overtake and then they get overtaken several times in, uh, until some somebody you know prevails. So so from that perspective, it's been it's been super. You know, I, th- I think that this this season is turning out to be is is going to be a very very exciting one. And and I think the because it's a you know it's a brand new 
car that's been developed by all the teams, there's going to be a, a huge raft of, of changes and upgrades and, and uh, that you'll see not only in, in, in Australia uh, this weekend, but also in the, the coming races. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sort of people looking around the paddock and like, oh, well, I didn't really think about that one. I need to go back to the factory and scratch my head a little. Or people think like, actually, that was a really good, that was a really good sort of technical advance that we did. And so, so it's all in all, very exciting. Yeah, Seb, you you just you just touched upon how you think you have a lot more in the bag this season. Can you just talk about the development of the car over the course of the season and what you guys are looking to unlock um, to gain more speed week by week? Yeah, I think the the, the car starts off with the you know obviously when we get to the the testing and we we check out what that it all works for starters that doesn't fall apart um but that it works as, as prescribed and then you start making you know tweaks and changes then then when you get to the first race it's it's all about unlocking the aerodynamic um the dynamics of the car to make you you know give you give you better um, um downforce a better speed better cornering and all of that and and you know over the year you'll uh, we'll be having uh, runs in the in in the in the tunnel in the simulations and so on which will start unlocking uh, small aerodynamic changes and small changes to the car that we need to do and, and you you it's a constant rotation of of ideas is it going to work is it is it feasible in the time scales that we have is it going to provide enough benefit uh, of you know and we're talking you know um, you know, hundreds of a second uh, changes, you know, around a lap, which is, which is, you know, very, very, you know, talk about marginal changes, the, the marginal upgrades. The, the, this, this is the ultimate in that. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a constant change. So, so you are, the, the tunnel will come up with ideas and they'll say that this adds, adds so much um, you know, performance to the car, but at the same time, it will, it will produce drag in certain other parts of the car. So you have to balance it out. And, and all in all, little changes everywhere, you know, will, will produce a big a, a, a change in the car that will, that will give you that, that little extra every, every race, hopefully. Yeah, I mean these these drivers are so good though that those marginal differences can make or break championships, right? I mean these these drivers, the cars, everyone, the whole the whole grid is just so fast and competitive that you need though to unlock those those small changes. It, it could be the difference between starting P8 versus P14, right? Like it could just be anything like that. These they're just so close together. Um, talk to us a little bit about the regulations. I mean, obviously, first time in a long time. Sam and I have covered this quite a bit. Tons of new regulations that happened this year. What was it like in the off season preparing for this regular regulation change? Obviously, powertrains are frozen, the engines were frozen, so those are kind of kicked out till I think 2026. Um, but I mean, this is a, a revolutionary car. The fuel changes, the downforce changes, the front wing, the rear wing. I mean, how, what was it like in the off season after what was an electric season last year and then to prepare for this season with new regulations? Yeah, so, so one thing that, that is important to note is that a car doesn't start uh, at the end of last season um, because clearly you wouldn't have enough time but uh, so th this this car was was begun to be thought about many years ago you know yeah. um at least three years ago and and because of the covid pandemic where you know it was it was delayed by by a year which basically in, in that off in, in that period of time you you start ramping up with ideas in the background of 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 uh, schemes and and concepts around what you want to do and these little by little these get tested simulated uh checked out thought about challenged you get uh, you know 
uh, groups of, of very, very bright people, engineers, aerodynamicists, um, um, vehicle performance engineers, uh, and all sorts of people from the from the factory, um, and including our, our, our sister factory in Viri, which does the powertrain. Um, and they, they all start pulling these these all these thoughts together. They, and little by little, these concepts and schemes start emerging. And then once the, the chief designers start sort of, uh, uh, once they went to complete and they, they finalize a, a concept and a design, then we start working on the detailed design of it because we've decided, right, this is the way forwards. And, and you start locking in certain parts of performance, you know, where, where certain parts of the, of the, not only the powertrain is going to be, the hydraulics, the, the cooling, where it's going to be, the center of gravity, the, the weight, that there's always trade-offs in these kind of things. Um, where the suspension is going to go, how stiff is it going to be, where, where the different components are going to be. Um, and and all, all sorts of things start coalescing all in, all little by little, all in one, but basically orchestrated by, by you know, um, the, the chief designer, the engineering director, you know, ourselves and, uh, and various other, other people. So yes, it's, it, it, so is, it is really quite exciting. That's great. Yeah. So one of the highlights this season so far was the battle uh, two weeks ago between Esteban and Fernando. Um, you know, as a member of the team, you know, could you even enjoy watching those two battle it out? Or did you have to watch with bated breath, knowing that if one little slip up happens, then your job's probably about 25 times harder in the, in the lead up to Melbourne? Yeah, I mean, you, you, your heart's in your mouth when when you see that. But at the same time, it, it's it's exciting, and that that's kind of the the the, the purpose of F one. It's exciting, you know, to watch it. You you can't imagine, you know, it's very difficult to imagine the speeds at which these people, they, you know, these cars go, and you know the the onboard TV screens, you know, the onboard cameras, you know, show us very well. But but having seen them, watching them driving so closely together, but at the same time. Being very professional, giving each other space, was a real testament to the fact that they both think as a team, and they work together as a team. And I think we we saw that a little bit in 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 um, Hungary last year when when Esteban won, and and you know um, and Fernando was then the back, you know, keeping Hamilton at bay for many for many um, laps. Um, and you know the drivers do think about the bigger picture, and that's the important bit, because the bigger picture is for the, for the the team to win, and and the driver obviously they, they want to win races because that's why they're in F1, but in they're very conscious of the fact that with one tiny slip, and it could you could be in the points or not, and and being not in the points can be a very expensive mistake, not only for points wise, uh, and and losing out on the race, but also you know fixing a car. Um, it can be very costly, and, and especially in, it's something that maybe in the past wasn't so, so much of a of an issue. Uh, but now that we've got the cost cap, it, it, it's 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 brought in a whole new rethink of how how the business is, is run, how you think about how you decide on, on what upgrades you're bring, going to bring to the track, uh, and and also it means that you know if you have an accident. You have to replace all those parts. You know, it could be an expensive gearbox, it could be expensive front wing, and and all of those kind of things add to the cost cap. And if you if you break front wing, that's a front wing that maybe an upgrade that you can bring to another race later on. So all of these things coalesce into just being a little bit more careful, but at the same time, you know, racing your heart out to 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 win the points. Yeah, I mean, last year was, I remember that, the Hungary race, the Hungaroring, it was an unbelievable battle between Fernando and Lewis. 
I think it was actually Esteban finished P1, so huge podium for Alpine last year. What an insane race that we got. It was just, I think it was Lewis, was that the, I think that was the race where Lewis started on the grid by himself on the inters, and then everyone else started in the pit lanes because they wanted to change to fresher tires. It was chaos, carnage into turn one. I think Valtteri Bottas hit the back of somebody that crashed into both Red Bulls. And then everybody, there was a red flag. They brought everyone back into the pits. And then Lewis, that was that iconic moment starting out on the grid all by himself, lights out away he went and everyone came out of the pits. And we got a great battle between Alonso and Esteban got his first podium or his first uh, first place podium starting from P8 on the grid, which was a great qualifying for him. Um, just absolutely unbelievable. But, you know, it's funny because I wanted to ask a little bit about in Jeddah, you know, we've seen now in two races, I think four or five cars where the engines just give up. The power loses out. I think we saw it with Max in Bahrain. We saw it with Daniel Ricardo in Jeddah. And we saw it with Fernando Alonso in Jeddah. So, you know, if if this was just actually, and I think we saw Yuki Sonoda in Jeddah. If this was just, you know, one team where they were losing power, I'd say there was something wrong with the development. But any insights? I mean, it happened to Fernando. Are these all related to the regulations? Is it kind of different? I mean, we've got the same powertrains and the same power units, but anything like, is this a common thing we're going to see throughout the season? I think I think um, the the reliability, in, in, certainly in our case, reliability is, um, we, we've, we've seen could step up in last year from the previous year and and this year is beginning to be you know more reliable car but the the incidences like you know Fernando's in in, in the last race um, are, are now very well understood and it's been it's been fixed uh, so all, all these things you know you, you you can test and you can test and we believe me we, we, we did a lot of preseason testing on the on the powertrain and the and you know all the all the systems and uh, and you know these things don't come up but sometimes they do in, in the races and and it's stuff that you know, I'm, I'm sure Red Bull would have been. You know, they they, they wouldn't have maybe known about this because uh, they they didn't they didn't expect it. Um, so I think because the cars are so new, is that we are going to see a, an element of you know reliability certainly in the first part of the year. Uh, but at the same time, you know, in our case, we spend a lot of time trying to work on on the quality of 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 our components to make sure that we understand all the possible causes of of failure and that we test 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 beforehand so that we can if 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 you have a, a fault before a race you understand it you fix it and you put it in, in place so that you don't have that in the in the race so um to to answer your question really i to be honest i, I don't know what with the other teams but certainly every single time this happens i can assure you that there will be a lot of very very clever engineers in each one of the teams working out the, the root cause analysis uh, and making sure that these things don't happen again. And they, they will, you know, they, our, 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 certainly our team goes to great, great lengths to make sure that you cover every possible angle, not only the obvious ones, but also any other ones. So, so we use a lot of, we spend a lot of time talking and thinking about it and the what if scenarios uh, to, to make sure that these things don't happen because they can be costly as we saw. So a lot of our followers will watch the, uh, you know, very entertaining but controversial Drive to Survive series. And last season we saw um, a very interesting scene with Nikita Mazepan complaining about his teammate having a better, faster car. Um, and we've seen this come up a few times on other teams in the past. Can you talk about how accurate it is that both cars on a team are exactly the same? Or are there some tweaks to different parts if, you know, maybe one driver is a little bit more competitive than the other? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you know, the the 
the drivers all come in all, all sort of sizes, you know, some tall, some are shorter, um, and they've got different weights. That, therefore, that means that you have to, you know, they, they, their seat, when they're seated, they'll, they'll have to be positioned and the balance of their cars is, is affected and they have, um, so, and also you, the drivers do tend to have specific um, likings and they'll feel that the balancing, the balance of the car needs to be fixed, you know, in, in a certain way. The, the, the brake balance, the, the, some aerodynamic parts will work better for, for some and for, for others. So the cars t- tend to be a little bit different, but, you know, not hugely. And the, the, the teams of engineers will work together. But it's, I, I, I don't know of any favoritism or anything like that. That may be implied by, by uh, some, of the, some of, like you said, you know, in the case of, uh, of the Drive to Survive um, episode. Um, I, I couldn't comment really what, what happened in, in, in that case because I, you know, I don't work there and I, I wasn't there at the time. So I think uh, the, 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 the episode itself sort of leads people to, to, um, to uh, sort of leads people in, in a way of thinking that may or may not have a truth in it. Is it safe to say that you feel that series is a little dramatized compared to uh, the actual reality of things? I, 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 I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't really say about that. They, they do piece together quite a lot of films, parts from different parts of the year. Uh, and, and, you know, I, th- I think they, they obviously, they're trying, to, they're trying to make an interesting story in every episode. So, you know, they, they, will, they will sort of add a little bit of drama to, to, the, to the, um, the film, really, just to make, make it interesting, really. I mean, to be honest, there's no, there's no lack of, of interest and drama in, in the racing itself. And I think that was the, that was definitely evident in the in the last few races of last season, and and the controversy itself. I mean that that was obviously a whole episode in itself, mm-hmm, and right. might, might 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 even turn into a film in the future. I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Last season, obviously, a big. I, I think Drive to Survive as a whole has kind of brought some really strong excitement, for, at least across the pond in the Americas, right? I think Formula One has good history in the United States, but we have our own racing with NASCAR and all that stuff. So I think the Drive to Survive has sparked a ton of Formula One interest. I, I think I never watched NASCAR. I never watched any U.S. automotive racing because I, I frankly thought it was boring. I think F1 is the most electric racing I've ever seen in my entire life. Last season, we had probably, I mean, you've been around the sport for a long time. Was last season the most exciting Formula One season in, in quite some time that we've had? Or do you think that that's just the nature of kind of how Drive to Survive has built this up a little bit in that the, the resurgence? Oh, no, no. I, I mean, I, th- I think last last year was definitely one of the best seasons that anybody can remember. Um, and, and I think over the, you know, in the past, some of the seasons have been reasonably um uh, I wouldn't say unexciting, but um, there have been a lot of processions and a lot of, um, you know, you start the race knowing that who's going to be the winner or at least the top podium. Um, so so I think the, the Netflix effect, as, as it's called, has helped, I think, galvanize a lot of new markets, especially in the, in the States, which is fantastic because it's, uh, you know, it's brought a whole new audience. And you know, hopefully, those listening to this podcast, um, you know, will will, will agree. Uh, and it, it's it, to be honest, it's fantastic to open up that market because it's um, there's so much there's so much um, racing history in the in the US that um, that people will hopefully like to to watch the, the racing. 
Yeah, and and I mean, this past week, we just got the announcement that we're going back to Las Vegas. Night race should be really exciting and fun. I think that'll be fun for a lot of teams. Some folks were complaining that we have too many races now in the United States. I think that makes number three with Miami added this year, with Austin, which is a good one, and with Las Vegas. So I know some folks are a little upset about that, but I think it's great for the sport. I think it's awesome. I think the United States, it, it is so massive and big that having three kind of feels like it is three different countries in a way where, where we're going, but uh, I think it's fun. But so um, kind of shifting gears a little bit on, on the topic of last season, I'm a big Max guy. Sam's a big Lewis guy. So outside of Alpine, we know that you want Fernando and Esteban one, two finishes all year long and to win the drivers, one of them and to win the constructors. But when you're not rooting for Alpine, who's your number one driver you like to root for on the grid? Well, um, I don't know about this year, but last year was definitely Kimi. Okay. Um, Kimi used to when when I when I did my first stint in the, here in Enston uh, back in 2011, um, Kimi came to drive uh, for us, and uh, and you know he he's a he's a, not only an awesome driver but. Uh, Quite, quite a character and he is exactly how he portrays he comes across him on the screen as in he just wants to drive and pretty much nothing else uh, and he says it as it is and that, that's caused a lot of very funny moments um, which you may or may not have seen but uh, uh, yeah as, as, as drivers go I think Kimi was one of the one, one of my favorite um, other than Fernando and Esteban I think there's a lot of it's, it's Quite interesting. A lot of really new, exciting young drivers coming through. Um, you know, um, Leclerc, um, Norris, and even even our own, um, uh, our own Oscar Piastri, uh, who's mm-hmm. you know won F3 and F2 in as as, as a rookie in both years consecutively. Um, and uh, he's you know hopefully he'll be um, he'll be driving an F1 at some point in the future. But he'll he'll be very exciting to watch, I think. Uh, and it, it's it's nice to sort of see that this there's, there's this constant. Um, stream of newcomers coming in, and and you know each in their own are, are absolutely awesome drivers. There's this tiny, tiny little, um, you know, th- there's nothing between them almost. And yet in F1, you know, uh, a hundredth of a second can can make the difference between winning a championship or not. Yeah, well, it was Oscar's of- birthday the other day too. So happy yeah. birthday, Oscar Piastri! Happy birthday, Oscar! Um, so fe- speaking of favorites, Seb. You know, as a part of an F1 team and even as a fan, what would you say is your favorite track that is part of the season? Um, I don't know. Uh, that's a good one. Um, Nürburgring was always, uh, always a fascinating one uh, because it's so long, so difficult, so challenging. Um, you know, yeah, you have to do it in under seven seconds, uh, seven minutes, sorry. Um, uh, uh, other than that, Silverstone is always exciting, uh, certainly for me. Monaco, even though it, it, it is difficult to overtake, it's always an exciting because it's a it's a, a you know a race a, a, a street circuit. Um, they, they've all got their their, their good bits, I think. Um, high speed high speed race um, tracks like Imola, that's always that's always exciting. Um, and uh, really, any any track that allows good close racing and overtaking i think that that's where that's where it uh, that, that, that's where it's at for me really 
Yeah. I mean, well, lucky you, we got Melbourne coming up this weekend. So one of your favorite tracks, you know, it's kind of similar question, but as an engineering personnel, what's the hardest track, the one that you dread setups for or preparation for, because you know, it's so different than the rest of the season that it just takes much more time. It's a whole, whole different setup. Like, is there a, a difficult track that you guys prepare for? I, I couldn't really tell you because I'm not a trackside engineer. Um, that That's for, more for the vehicle performance um, people that um, maybe one day you'll be able to get in your, in your podcast. Sure. Um, I, I couldn't really, you know, say which, which one's better for us. Uh, we, we prepare for all of them. Uh, we've got, we are prepared for all of them. Um, and we, we try and make the most out of each, each track. Sometimes it turns out that the, the car is, is, you know, performs better in, in high speed circuits than in, 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 um, you know, more cornering circuits. Uh, but you know, that the idea is that, you know, where you start getting the points is when you can you can get the balance of both. You can be fast in corners and you can be fast in straights, and you can you can get the best balance out of the car without you know without it being unstable. And that that, that the the whole point of this is that it's the consistency of being able to you know if you if you can drive fast around you know once around the track that will that will get you a good starting position, but it won't get you to the end of the race because you have to be consistent. And that that's that's a trick i think of the, is being able to get a consistent car and a consistent driver absolutely yeah and honestly changing gears slightly it's you know your background you started off in aerospace right you were working on it i think you said you worked on the the airbus military transport jets well yeah well i think my, my aerospace um uh, history started way before that because i i i, I joined the, the royal navy in england um way back when uh, to fly military helicopters off the wow. back of ships and um, and hunting sort of submarines, Russian submarines and that in those days, um, uh, which was the start, start of a long journey. And um, then, then I, I moved out, got myself an education um, at university uh, and worked in, in defense. And eventually, eventually I ended up in, in living in southern Spain where, where I worked on, as you said, the the this military transport aircraft for, that made by Airbus called the, the A400M. Um, and that that's uh, and after which um, uh, after you know, having my, my kids being born in Spain and and uh, and were, uh, developing a, an, an organic olive farm out there, I moved back to England, which, which is where I ended up doing my first stint here in Enston. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. What a background hunting Russian submarines. It sounds like a skill that we could use today. Um, but so that, I mean, so hopefully I won't get called up. Uh, yeah, could potentially. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like something that the world could use hunting Russian submarines, but anyway, um, so I mean, but aerospace working on jet engines, I mean, people describe these F1 cars as jet engines. So how much has like what you've taken from your background and applied to, to the team really helped? How, how is it, what's the, 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 the value and the skills that you've developed in your background and how it's translated to an F1 team. Yeah. So, so um, the, the, I suppose the, the background that's, it's the variety really that's helped the variety of, of the experiences I've had, you know, being not only in the military, but then also in working in, in defense and civil aircraft. Uh, but also um, as I've, uh, we were talking about before this, uh, we started this, is that uh, I've, uh, I've worked also in, in mergers and acquisition integration side of, of things in my previous job in uh, as we were buying companies. And I, was, I was working a lot with people. And, and I think the, the, biggest, the biggest thing that 
I think I bring to bear here in, in my current job is that is the different experiences I've had in those different industries and countries and, and so on about how how to hopefully bring the best in people um, where where you the, the the trick is to is I think to be able to look after the person the, the teams of people you know it's, it's often in in these high pressure environments time sensitive things that that you everybody's so concentrated on on making the car go faster the aircraft go higher you know you've got deadlines everybody's worried everybody's stressed and so on that that people forget and certain managers forget that that it's the people who deliver those things so the the whole focus of what i do or i try to do anyway and and you know what i've done in the past is that is, is to try and and shift the focus also towards the person to say look you know we, we we endlessly tinker around with the car to make it go faster we also need to do the same with the person mm-hmm. you know develop them well give them you know development opportunities teaching them the the future skills that they're going to need as uh, as they grow in in the company making sure that they feel that they, they're in a safe place that they can they can they've got the autonomy of being able to work at what they do because you know we, 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 you know, we must not forget that that I'm privileged enough to work with some of the best and most talented engineers in the world, and these, you know, these people are very, very bright, and they, they want to be, they want to own things, they want to be able to manage their, their own projects. So you give them the autonomy, you know, you give them the skills to be able to do this, and you develop the skills, and give them a purpose, which in this case is quite obvious, you know, the, you know, win races and championships. And, 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 you know, if you do that, you do it well and you, you focus on the people and you get your manager to focus on people that 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 um, more or less takes care of it. And that creates a fairly unified uh, group of people, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the people it's it starts and stops there. Right. I mean, the car is only as good on track as what the, the people can kind of put together and how hard they work. And, you know, if, if folks are feeling it's fun to have you know, to be working on a team like this, the stress, I'm sure the adrenaline, the long hours during the season, it's probably a high stress environment, but also probably a really rewarding one to actually see cars on track and to see cars, you know, in quality setting place on the grid, the further you go up, you, it's, I think Toto said, it's a sport where your success and failures are measured by the stopwatch. So you can tell if you've done enough work, if you've, if you've done the right things week to week by, you know, where, where teams finish and where your team places and how the race goes. And, and, and it's a, it's gotta be one of the more incredible jobs when you actually have success, cause it's on a global scale versus, you know, sometimes when you have success, nobody notices it at, at your job. So really fun. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I mean, the, the stopwatch never lies. And, and to be honest, it, it's, it's still quite a, quite a strange thing for me to, you know, you, you you work during the week you know, in the office, and then on the weekend you're there. You on a Sunday watching the race with your with, with your family around you, and you know there's there's hundreds of millions of people watching the race live. And you're thinking, wow, you know that's that you know that's the that's what we do, and it, it is it is quite a humbling thing. Yeah. Still is after all this time. Totally. Yeah, speaking of that, what what what's a Sunday like for you? How do you like to watch the races? Have like a and uh, an adult beverage, some uh, a cocktail. What's what's it like for you on a Sunday watching? Well, it depends. I mean, for Australia, I'm certainly not going to be drinking a beer at five o'clock in the morning. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, so, so, they, they, for us in Europe, they tend to fall at or around lunchtime, which is uh, which is good. You know, you, you're relaxing with your family, and you know, you might have a you know a, a 
you might be having a barbecue outside if, if the weather's nice um, and you know you'll have the, the hopefully the tv on in the corner sometimes you know we're, we're lucky enough that we can also um, watch it here in the factory if we want to we got a um, actually behind where I'm sitting at the moment is, a, is the operations room, uh, which is a, like a, a NASA type sort of control room where you've got massive screens at the back end and, you know, these consoles and you can, um, you know, you can sit there and if, if, if there's space on a Sunday and you can, you know, listen in on the radios. So it, it depends. And uh, that, that part of the experience is, uh, especially for the young engineers who come in, is part of the experience is that if you can't be on the track, you know, the next best thing is to be there in the, in the operations room, listen to the race live. Yeah. I mean, so for us fans, you know, Sam and I being in, we're, we're both located on the East coast of the United States. So for us this weekend, Melbourne is at one in the morning. So by the time we've had a couple adult beverages, we might be seeing multiple cars on track for this particular race, um, given it's so late for us. But, you know, I, one question that I had for you is for the engineering team, you know, these, sh- these long weeks as a fan, we, we don't like the long weeks, right? It's two weeks in between races. It feel, felt like Sunday, we had nothing to do. Like we obviously watch other sports, but this is, this was a week where we're like, oh man, no F1. From an engineering perspective though, how critical is that time in preparing for our, a race? I mean, Bahrain to Jetta was a quick turnaround, probably no development packages, upgrades that could be brought. Um, I think a lot of teams had basically the same car with maybe some minor setup tweaks between the two races. But when you have these, these normal gaps with the two weeks in between races, what's it like? How critical is that for you? Where are you guys focusing? Like, how do you take what happened in the last race and prioritize what packages or upgrades you're bringing for maybe the next week's race? Yeah. So as, as a whole, we've got, you know, we've got long-term planning uh, that, you know, for the cars, you know, what we're doing now, the upgrades that are happening in X many races time and so on. And th- those are all sort of the, the, the day-to-day thing, but, um, our, our, you know, as the rate, as the preparation for the race happens um, and as we build a car, you know, you might get a little fault coming up or whatever. And then during the, the practice runs and the, the race itself, you you know you get faults and parts fall off the car or break or, or or something happens so so the teams will will either be on standby if it's if it's a, a quick fix or the or the track needs needs advice of what's going on for one of the specialists so for example you know people in, in although we're out of phase by about 12 hours with australia we've got a uh, we've got a, a shift going on overnight so that if there's any urgent call from any of the engineers at the track side they'll be able to have somebody at the end of a, of a phone or at the end of, of a, a video call to be able to talk about or find out the information or open up the the the, the 3d um model of the car and and be able to advise on on, on what's going on or or look at, at, at whatever they need to so so we we spend a lot of that time um not only sort of trying to fix any of the issues that would have come from the previous race to the next race but also just being able to prepare for for the upgrades that are coming up in the future and and you have it's a very delicate balance of uh, balancing priorities which we, we we are constantly doing we're constantly looking at the the long-term cars of you know next year and, and the developments of this year versus you know, the, the the next race and what, what's urgent to to do and and you know with what resources we have and so so yeah that's uh, that's it yeah so you know it's it's i kind of you know we assume that there's a long-term plan probably you know depending on how testing goes those plans might need to turn into short-term plans for different upgrades to be competitive things like that um but you know one thing we've seen a lot of in formula one and we see it on alpine 
is you have these, these world champions like Sebastian Vettel. Uh, you've got, you had Kimi Raikkonen, Fernando Alonso that left teams to kind of go and help design these other cars and, and work with, with other constructors to kind of find and unlock pace and things like that. So, you know, how we even saw it last year, Valtteri, not a world champion, but he, he left to Mercedes and he went to Alfa Romeo. And so the theory is that these, these world driving champions are, you know, helping kind of give input into the cars and things like that. Have you, is, is that worked out? How have, how involved has Fernando been in kind of taking his knowledge from a, a, a world championship driver to the factory and kind of bringing in insights and different things that he's learned to try and help unlock pace for, for some of these constructors? Oh, I'm massively. I mean, um, both Fernando and Esteban, you know, Fernando's got a lot of experience, uh, but also Esteban has built, you know, he, he's been in the game for, for a few years now, but they, they, they're very invested in, in, in the feedback that they do. Not only every time they get in the car, they, they'll have detailed um, feedback um, sessions with their engineers, with uh, some of our engineers to feedback, you know, how things felt, how things behaved, where, where they were. And, and all of that is backed up with data. You know, that these cars are, are, have got amazing amount of, of uh, sensors and, and, you know, pressure tappings and so on that they give feedback information of every imaginable aspect of the car uh, so that when when a, a driver says that you know something felt unstable in such and such a corner at such and such a speed you'll be able to look at the, the trace graph and you'll be able to say oh yeah actually that makes sense and so on and then, then you can start working it backwards as to what can we do to the car to alleviate that for this particular race for this particular um, environment or climate or if it's going to rain if it's not going to rain and so on and that, that's where that's where things like you know our simulator um, helps because you know you, you, if, if required you can have somebody go and test certain scenarios which you know may or may not help but um, but there's certainly a lot of a lot of work that happens and and you, you can you can try and and prepare for the best but ultimately it's the it's the driver who can feed back quite a lot of that information to say how did it feel for him for him to drive around that track because that you know you can get tons and tons of data but you know Ultimately, it's a, it's the a driver who will get it across the line. So, so looking towards this weekend, um, you know, one of your main competitors and rivals so far this season has been the Mercedes. And as we know, um, you know, they've been one of the best teams, uh, you know, in F1 for you know a long time. And they, but they haven't unlocked the pace yet that they have in prior years. How? How worried are you? How much do you focus on the buzz around the upgrades that they're going to bring this weekend um, compared to the you know, car that you guys are going to bring? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we work, uh, you know, we work incredibly hard to bring all the you know upgrades that we can, you know, which come from the from mainly from the wind tunnel. Uh, but I, one thing I can assure you is that Mercedes will not be sort of sitting back, you know, on, on the laurels of, you know, they, they've, they've done incredibly well, uh, you know, over the last, you know, years to be able to win so many championships and consistently also and they've been they've also done it very humbly you know every time they win a championship they they go back to zero and this is something that i believe toto wolf and nicky lauda were, were very adamant about that you know don't don't sort of think that because you won a world championship it's, it's going to be repeated next year so one thing that I'm, I'm i'm fairly convinced about is that you know they will be they'll be working incredibly hard to make sure that they they fix you know all the issues that that they have in order to bring them closer to the front because ultimately it's a you know, it's a competitive sport and uh, you know as we said earlier the stopwatch doesn't lie 
What, what do you think happened um, this year? It looks like everyone thought they were sandbagging, going into Bahrain testing. You know, they've done this every year. Lewis says, oh, you know, we don't have a good car. And then a week goes by and says, everyone thanks everyone at the factory. We unlock some pace. But Jetta, I mean, he missed quali. George Russell finished P5. But it just seems like they were caught out this year. Do you, I know that it's not your team and you're not a part of it. But any speculation? It has to be the regulations. But any speculation? I, I, I couldn't really say because I, I don't know what, what you know their car other than what, what you see in the photographs. But but you know uh, clearly you know Ferrari and Red Bull have done a, a good job. You know we, we, we've we've taken a, a step ahead and we hope to do do better in the future. But uh, as to as to you know what what the exact issue you know nature of the issues is, I, I'm not really sure. But you know there, there has been a lot of uh, talk in the press about the the porpoising issue and what the different teams are, are doing about it. You know and, and some and it, it was always going to be the case that that um, that a whole new set of regulations. Some people are going to get it right. Some people are going to get it not so right. And I think in the, in this case, Ferrari have have worked very hard over the last few years in order to concentrate on this car, and it, you know, the results are there, there to be seen. And you know, I think I think you, you can also see that uh, Alpha, you know, and and Haas have most benefited from that because it was is quite interesting to see them, you know, um, towards the you know out of towards the top of the the midfield really. Yeah, I mean, we're big Haas fans this year. I mean, we were saying on one of our other episodes, how, how could you not root for them? It's It was so, you know, discouraging to see, and I can't imagine what it would have been like to be on the team to finish 19th and 20th all year last year for the most part. So um, really good from, from Haas this year. Obviously worked out that they spent a lot of time um, developing this year's car last year and kind of gave up on the development for 2021. So really cool. And as we look to Melbourne, I think Kevin Magnuson has had good success. We haven't been there in three three years, right, due to COVID. COVID. So return for Danny Ricardo back to Albert Park. Uh, Ferrari knows how to set up their cars in Australia. They have a lot of success. Obviously, we've seen some great battles with, with Max and Charles this year. And uh, George Russell has looked pretty good in, in a slower Mercedes. Same with Alpine. You know, it's going to be an absolutely crazy race. What's your prediction? Give us, we, we ask all of our guests, give us your poll prediction and then P1 through three for the race weekend. Uh, I, I, that's a difficult one. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think you know Ferrari are, are very strong. So is Red Bull. Uh, I think that you know they, they will be they'll be at the, the front probably of the of the, the of the track. Um, we're hoping to to do well, as you know. Um, we you know we're, we're we're optimistic, and and it's I think after that you know hopefully you know, I can imagine that Mercedes will be in there, Alpha probably, um, and. Yeah, one or two others, I would have thought. But we're, we're certainly optimistic. You know, we'd like to be at the front there. Well, but so, Seb, we've we've talked about your your fascinating background, how you've got to F1, some of the things the Alpine team's been working on. But I want to ask the most important question of them all. Um, what do we have to do to get the pink livery for the rest of the season? Because I know it's for all our fans. We love it. We don't want to see it go. It's electric. Um, what do we got to do to keep that the rest of the season? Uh, I, I couldn't really say, but that's, uh, you know, we, we're very luck, lucky to have BWT as our main sponsor. And, um, you know, they, 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 they certainly it's, it's not a color that you can miss on the TV screen. It's, um, it's, it's very bright. Um, I, I really couldn't tell you what what <laughs> what you'd want to do, but uh, but the the the, yeah, no, the 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 blue and pink I think is a very very catching combination, um, and 
uh, yeah, you know, we, hopefully we'll have BWT there for a long time. Awesome. Well, Sebastian said, thank you so much for joining our, our episode this week. What an awesome conversation. You've been fantastic. Obviously, Sam and I are, are big Alpine fans. We are rooting hard for you guys. We'd like to see a more Esteban El Plan battles, but we'd also like to see them battling with some other cars like the drag race with, uh, with Lando, maybe even up closer with Charles and, and Max getting Esteban in the mix on that would be super fun. But this has been an unbelievable conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. As always, we hope that, you know, you've had some fun today. No, th- thanks very much. It's uh, it's really exciting, you know, to, to, to be in part of this uh, podcast. And it's it's super exciting to see the, the, the amount of interest that, that, you know, F1 is generating in, in the US. And, and you know, it, it hopefully it will go from strength to strength. And, uh, you know, more than happy to, to you know, to be able to come on your podcast in the future. So thanks very much for everything. It's uh, it's been fascinating for me too. Great insights from Seb on, you know, their engine plans for the weekend. Very cool to talk to somebody from the Alpine team. I feel really cool about what's going to happen with Esteban and Alonso this weekend. I don't know about you. I became a bigger Alpine fan after today, after that conversation. Of course. Um, and, and I think throughout the year, we've been increasing our fandom of Alpine. They've been so much fun to watch. Pace has been great. Um, watching Akon and Alonso battle has been a real pleasure. And then speaking to Seb, I mean, what a legend. So happy to have him on and talk to that guy. And uh, looking forward to continuing our relationship with Alpine. We're Alpine guys now. so um, Big Alpine guys. Awesome. Yeah. Sam, you know, last week we did some picks. Any new lines this week for the, for the fans and listeners at home looking to make a couple bucks? Yeah, now that we're a little closer to the race, there's some interesting lines that I've identified. So beyond the picks that I gave out last week and the matchups that I was targeting, which as a reminder, Akon over Alonso and Ricardo over Lando, sticking with those. Yep. I got, a, I got a few more interesting plays for this weekend. So the first, this is a juicy one. So you're going to have to really hold your nose and just suck it up, but it's a fun one. I like a safety car to be deployed at minus 250. Um, wow. you know, yeah. So based on some previous history of this race, it just, it wouldn't surprise me if we see some more carnage specifically on the first lap. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a safety car, you know, within the first five minutes of the race. So I'm going to, I'm going to eat the juice on that and I'm going to hold my nose and I'm going to take a safety car to be deployed at minus 250. Um, the next bet I'm going to look at is fastest qualifying time. So I'm going to divert a little bit from what we talked about last week. Um, and who I thought was going to be sitting on pole. So like we just previously talked about, all the buzz this week has been around these four DRS zones. So taking that into account and the blazing straight line speed that Red Bull has, and DRS Stappen loving to open up that wing, um, I'm going to take Max Verstappen to have the fastest qualifying time and sit on pole position at plus 125. I think he gets it done. Um, I think last week was a little bit of a, or two weeks ago, was a little bit of a wake-up call in Jetta with him having a, a tough quality. So I like him to finish on pole and um, and with plus money, plus 125, I think there's good value there. Um, but, 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 looking back at the history of the Australian Grand Prix, interesting stat here. Seven of the last eight winners of the race did not come from that pole position, which is why I'm sticking with my pick of Charles Leclerc to win at plus 145. And then lastly, another prop bet that I really, really like this weekend it's for Haas to finish with double points at plus 170. So K-Mag's got, obviously got a good history. You touched upon it a little earlier. The sixth place finished the last time out at that track in 2019. 
Um, and they w- would have actually had double points that year if it wasn't for a disastrous pit stop and a, and a, um, a loose wheel by Roman Grosjean. So I'm looking for Mick to, to shake off the, the big crash in Jetta, get his first points of the season in that Haas car that we know um, can compete at the top half of the, of the field. And it's a car that we love and we know is competitive. Um, so I'm looking for Mick to shake it off and get in the points as well. So the great value of plus 170, I think it's a no-brainer. So I'm going to take Haas to finish double points. Those are my those are going to be my picks of the week. Wow. So safety car minus 250, Max Verstappen on pole plus 125, Charles to win plus 125, and Haas double points plus 170. And you also have Esteban over Alonso. But what was the line on that? I think last week when we talked about it, it wasn't uh, wasn't published. It, it, I can't find a line on it yet. It hasn't been released. Uh, last week it was somewhere around minus 125. Um, rumor is Alonso is going to be having a new engine this week um, due to some difficulties. So um, I think they're still waiting to release that line. And uh, in terms of Ricardo over Lando, I think it's going to be sitting somewhere in the plus 200 to plus 250. So a lot of value there. Wow. Those are your picks. Wow. So Sam, great picks of the week. Six money winners. I think that's awesome. Fantastic research by you as always. You know, you just have such a good, you're so sharp when it comes to the Formula One bets that, you know, what's out of those, give me your best bet of all of those. I mean, that's double double points plus 170. That's my, maybe my pick of 2022 so far. I I love the Oscar this week. That's your pick of 2022. I mean, in best bets so far, I think you are, you're two and oh, you had Charles to win Bahrain as, as your best bet. You had Max to win Saudi Arabia as your best bet. Now we've got hostile points as your best bet. So, I mean, coming out of Melbourne, you could be going three and oh in your best bet. So, I mean, just absolutely scorching start for you this year. So we're, we're locked in, man. We're sharp and we are locked in. Totally locked in. Any good Mercedes bets for, you know, top five finish or a podium, or is there anything out there that you're seeing in the Vegas world? Uh, I saw a, uh, a Lewis podium finish at, I think it was plus 200 ish. Um, you know, as I talked about last week, I think, and we talked about previously, we think Mercedes is going to have a little bit more of a competitive car. Um, you can never count Lewis out. So anytime you can get him plus money to finish on the podium, I, I think is worth investigating and taking a look at and maybe um, it may be going with. So if you're going to, you really want to bet on Mercedes and, and you want to look towards a podium finish, I would look towards Lewis around plus 200. Um, yeah, we'll spring action. yeah. I think that's a pretty good bet as well. Wow. Love it. Yeah. I, I heard as well, Alonzo going for, I think the third engine. So these cars, man, this year, the engines, the fuel, everything that's kind of contributing to it, it just seems like, there's going to be a lot of these reliability concerns going on. So we very well may see, you know, some crazy stuff happen in Australia. I think last year or last time, three years ago, I think we had like three or four DNFs, like every, there was only, I think the top six or seven cars lapped all the other cars that finished. It was 20 seconds between Valtteri and Lewis. It was just, I think 20 seconds between Max and Vettel at some point. It's just, and you're right, Roman Grosjean, he had that front left tire, couldn't get it on. Then I think about four or five laps after his pit, started to get loose, pulled that off the track. It's going to be hot. It's going to be interesting, but I think it's going to be exciting nonetheless. And I'm very much looking forward to the return of, of Albert Park in Melbourne, Australia this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And can I just say, I'm very excited for a daytime race. I think I'm in the minority, um, but I don't love the night races. I like the day races. I think uh, aesthetically they're a little more pleasing. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited and, uh, and looking forward to the first daytime race of the season. 
Yeah. I mean, it's funny because it's a daytime race, but for us, it's 1am. So it's kind of like a mental, you know, gymnastics that we have to do. I'm, I'm with you. I like the night races, but I like them sprinkled throughout the season. I think they bring a fun little atmosphere thing. I think it's good for us on the Eastern time zone. We get to see them at midday rather than 7am, 6am, 1am. But yeah, I, I'm a fan of the night races, but it's like in moderation. You know, I, I like to see big events. The Vegas one, I think is fitting. I think the opening night one in Bahrain is fitting. I think the way they do it in Jeddah is, is fun. And I think the last race of the year in Abu Dhabi is also, yeah, I think you have to have the right races at the right times of the year to have these night races. They should be big events. You know, it's like the, the beginning of the season, the end of the season, you know, a couple sprinkled out throughout the year, but I'm with you. And, you know, we're counting down the time until the next sprint race too. Like that's the other thing we're really looking forward to. I don't even know what it is. I didn't look it up. I, I probably shouldn't have even brought it up. I believe, I believe Monza. Monza is a sprint race this year. Yes. Interesting. All right. Wow. That's going to be, we can, we can cut that if that's not right, but I'm pretty sure. No, I, I think it's right. I was thinking Monaco when you said Monza. So that's why I was confused, but um, I'd be sick having a sprint race at Monaco. Yeah, no, I, I think so. All right. That's a wrap for us on this week's episode of in the points. A huge thank you again to Alpine formula ones, Sebastian Shepard for an amazing interview and insights to the inner workings of a formula one racing team. We now turn our attention to Melbourne, Australia, as we expect big upgrades for Mercedes, a more Max versus Charles battles and sadly say goodbye to Alpine's pink liveries. Tune in this Sunday, April 10th, at Albert Park for week three of the 2022 Formula One season. And as always, stay out of that dirty air and keep pushing. It's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday. What? It's Friday then. Saturday, Sunday. What? It's Friday again. It's Friday, Sunday. What? It's Friday again. It's Friday, Sunday.